welcome to this evidence-based nursing podcast. I'm Roberta Heal. I'm an associate professor at Laurentian University in Ontario, Canada, and an associate editor of Evidence-Based Nursing. It is my great pleasure to welcome Drs. David Kenneth Wright and Amanda Van Dyke from the School of Nursing, University of Ottawa in Ottawa, Canada. We will be discussing a study that demonstrated the value of a community palliative care program in reducing emergency department visits by those dying from dementia. Welcome, Dr. Wright and Dr. Van Dyke. I wonder if you would begin by introducing yourselves and your current roles to our listeners. Uh, Hi, thanks for having us. I am an assistant professor uh, here in the School of Nursing at the University of Ottawa. I'm also the co-director of the Nursing Palliative Care Research and Education Unit here. And hi, my name is Amanda Van Dyke, and I am also an assistant professor here at the University of Ottawa in the School of Nursing and an associate investigator with the Nursing Best Practice Center, um, also at the university. Great. Thank you very much for that. Would you start by giving us some background into the issue of palliative care and dementia? So I think that first it is important to distinguish between palliative care and end-of-life care. Um, End-of-life care is a descriptive concept. It's simply whatever care is being delivered in the final phase of life. Uh, Now, demarcating the end of life is a vexed question, but generally we speak about people being at the end of life when they are in the last months to to one year of their lives. And end-of-life care then happens wherever people are spending that time, whether it's in an acute care environment like ICUs or general medical wards or in long-term care or at home. Um, Now, the reason that that's important to mention is because most people do not receive end-of-life care within a context of palliative care. Palliative care is an approach, a philosophy of care, that focuses explicitly on supporting maximal quality of life and the alleviation of suffering. It does many different things to achieve these goals, uh, namely physical uh, symptom management, uh, advanced care planning, psychosocial spiritual support of the patient and the family. Now, the care philosophy of palliative care is, at least in theory, relevant for anyone living with a life-limiting illness, and that definitely includes dementia. People with dementia don't necessarily die from dementia, but they certainly do die with it. And therefore, people in the final stages of dementia have high needs for supportive care that will assist them to live with dignity, be comfortable, and be pain-free. Their families certainly need support in navigating the many losses that precede the actual death of the person. And all of those things are the very raison d'etre, if you will, of palliative care. The problem is that palliative care continues to be focused around the end-of-life care needs of patients with cancer. Uh, In cancer, the end-of-life phase is almost unmistakable. People maintain a relatively high functional status until a few months before death, uh, and then there's a radical change. There's a drop-off in function. So if, for example, a given palliative care program sets as admission criteria for access that the person has to have a verified medical prognosis of remaining life of less than six months, which is something that often happens, um, then that's relatively straightforward in advanced cancer, but not so at all in dementia. The trajectory of -of end-of-life phase in dementia is very different. People's functional status declines severely, uh, but then they can linger in that state for months to years. So the problem, or at least one of the problems uh, with respect to the complicated relationship between dementia and palliative care is that it's difficult to identify when people with dementia should be accessing palliative care. And in the absence of a clear answer to that question, the sad reality is that many people never access what is a very relevant and potentially necessary approach to care. That's a really helpful description of the issue that was uh, developed for this research study. So would you tell us what the research investigated in this study? 
Sure. So this was a population-based study that aimed to describe patterns in the use of emergency department by people who had dementia in their last year of life and to determine whether uh, those patterns were modified by the use of community-based palliative care services. The logic for the study was described as the fact that emergency department use by people at the end of life, including those with dementia, could be conceptualized as an indicator of poor end-of-life care. And I think that's a fair um, that's a fair assumption. Generally, when we speak about uh, the contexts in which um, end-of-life care should be happening, emergency departments are not usually thought of as the best place to receive end-of-life care, certainly not the best place to die. So it can be thought of as almost an, an adverse event in end-of-life care to, to be admitted to an emergency department when you're very close to death. And, uh, and it's thought that palliative care is something that might effectively protect against uh, that sort of adverse event. So the idea is that if people are being supported by palliative care throughout their end-of-life trajectory, um, then they might be supported in ways such that they don't need to access the, the emergency department uh, during that time. So the researchers performed a retrospective analysis of records to determine the incidence of uh, emergency department visits in the last year of life amongst two cohorts, those with dementia and those without. Uh, they then determined how many from each of those cohorts were receiving some form of community palliative care, and they correlated that, um, that access with the extent to which decedents in each group had emergency department visits in their last year. Okay, so what were the findings and conclusions that were made by the authors of the original paper? So the authors concluded that community-based palliative care in people who die with or of dementia is relatively infrequent, but associated with significant reductions in emergency department use in the last year of life. They also concluded that there is a need to develop a strong evidence base for palliative care provision in this population and cost-effective models for care delivery. All right, do you agree with these conclusions? And if not, why not? Overall, yes, we agree with their conclusion. Um, the conclusions the authors made are very appropriate within the study that they conducted. However, when we look at their specific results, we do think that there are some considerations that need to be discussed. For example, the demographic difference between the groups. 63% compared to 28% of the dementia cohort lived in a residential care facility. Community palliative care was more prevalent in home-dwelling participants regardless of group. And we think that the question here is, were the participants living in residential care facilities receiving some form of comparable support to community-based palliative care, or perhaps they weren't even eligible due to their existing care? In fact, we tried to contact uh, Silverchain in Australia to learn more about their eligibility criteria, but we were unfortunately unsuccessful. And without knowing this criteria for service, we are left wondering whether the participants in the dementia group who resided in residential care facilities were in in need of or able to access community palliative care at all. This might explain why only 6% of the dementia group were noted to receive this service. Living in a residential care facility might also explain why participants with dementia were less likely to visit the hospital in the last year of life and also less likely to die in hospital. Residential care facilities should be equipped uh, to care for people through their final years of life and uh, their death. Reading the study, it appears as though the authors were mostly concerned with whether or not the presence of dementia increased emergency department use in the last year of life, as opposed to whether or not the individuals with dementia who actually presented used community-based palliative care. 
If, say for example, the authors had chosen to look at the ICD codes for all emergency department visits related to dementia and then compared those people to the silver chain registry of clients receiving their service, some of these lingering questions may have actually been answered. The authors do report that individuals with dementia receiving regular care in care facilities were 1.4 times more likely to visit the emergency department than individuals with dementia receiving community-based palliative care, and this was statistically significant. We think that this finding is likely the best indicator in this study of the protective effect of community-based palliative care for persons with dementia against visiting the emergency department. All right, thank you. And so arising from uh, these conclusions, what are the implications that you see for practice related to these findings? I think that the main concept here is access, right? The, the authors stated in their paper that as less than, this is a quote, as less than 6% of the dementia cohort received community-based palliative care at any one time over the last year of life, there is vast potential for increasing access to palliative services in this group of persons and thus reducing attendances at emergency departments. And the, the reason that they can say and thus reducing attendances is because of the, uh, the correlation they claim to have found in their study. Um, so basically, the, the, the kind of final take-home message is that it appears that community palliative care really does make a difference, and that can certainly be something that we find inspiring, and therefore we want to kind of trumpet um, the, the claim that uh, people with dementia need better access to community palliative care. And while we certainly agree with that in, uh, in principle, we, we want to remind listeners that there was no real definition of community palliative care in this study. Um, they did say that community palliative care was defined as palliative care provided at the, at the place of usual residence, and that palliative care is inclusive of at-home physical care and practical support, symptom management, counseling, respite option, and links to other community and government services. But that's, that's saying a lot of different things. Uh, one of the most uh, important dimensions of palliative care that's relevant to the context of dementia is uh, advanced care planning and decision making, right? When we, at the outset of this conversation, we were talking about how it's difficult to prognosticate and determine when somebody with dementia is indeed at the end of life. Uh, so with respect to emergency department visits, what becomes important are uh, therapeutic conversations with, with caregivers well in advance of the end of life, uh, the distinctly end of life or imminent dying phase to clarify goals of care, to understand what do people value and where do they wish to receive care and what will that care look like uh, when they get to the end of their lives. Now, certainly community palliative care is something that is oriented around supporting people to, to have those sorts of goals of care conversations, but that can happen in many different ways. So, for example, here in Canada, uh, community palliative care can mean, in many contexts, at-home uh, visiting by trained volunteers who provide respite for family caregivers, but it can also mean specialist in-home nursing services, right? And, and those are two very different types of care all kind of collapsed under this conceptual umbrella of community palliative care. So I think the, the implication then of all of this is that yes, we need to increase access to community palliative care, but we need to get much clearer as we move forward on access to what 
and we need to um, unpack and, uh, and more closely examine the links that exist between dimensions of, of, of this very multidimensional construct of community palliative care and, um, and the outcomes that, uh, that are suggested. You've outlined quite a number of issues arising from this particular research study. So given that, what further research do you think is needed in this area? We looked at this from a methodological perspective, primarily. And so first of all, we really do need to understand better what emergency department looks like for people living with dementia. Uh, There's an existing gap in knowledge that needs to be addressed before effective alternative interventions can be designed. And in fact, the authors of this study also specified this gap in their study. And so definitely research needs to be conducted so that we can truly understand what's actually happening for these people in the last year of their life in terms of their emergency department use. Also, the use of ICD codes for sample selection must really be carefully considered. These codes are assigned by non-health professionals who have no patient contact. And from some of our previous work, we know that tremendous variability exists in the accuracy of ICD codes compared to physician diagnoses. In some cases, this can be less than 50% compatibility. This means that it is possible that individuals coded as dying from pneumonia, for example, which we know is among the leading complications causing death in persons with dementia, may only be coded with respiratory codes and not also with a code indicating pre-existing dementia if all of their hospital visits were related to this complication. Unfortunately, this is a limitation in all studies relying on administrative data for sample selection. It's interesting because the authors did double-check hospital records and include an additional 1,600 participants into the dementia group from, you know, their entire record, not just their eMERGE visit. However, it's unclear how or when they actually did this. The comparison group was chosen randomly, and we were left wondering if the process was actually that for each randomly chosen non-dementia participant, the hospital records were then checked prior to inclusion in the control group. If, during this check, the authors found mention of dementia, the participant was instead placed in the dementia group. Without some additional information about this random selection process and why some additional hospital records were checked, but not all, it's really difficult to know if the control group contained individuals who should have actually been in the dementia group, or if they missed a whole bunch of people who would have met criteria had their entire records been checked. And this does suggest some form of sampling bias. This is normal with retrospective um, administrative database type studies, but longitudinal studies conducted prospectively would actually help to mitigate some of these sampling issues and should really be looked at moving forward. Finally, the best way to truly determine the effectiveness of community-based palliative care in reducing emergency department visits would be to conduct some form of intervention study. So this would require prospectively following a group of individuals with dementia enrolled in community-based palliative care and a group of individuals who are not to see what happens. Using a method like this allows for more confidence in the discreteness of the groups and accuracy of the information regarding reason for emergency department visit and death. Of course, these types of studies are much more resource intensive, but to truly advance knowledge in this area, they are the logical next step. All right, if listeners take away one thing from this podcast, what should it be? Listeners of this podcast need to know that there are widespread efforts being made to decrease unnecessary and inappropriate use of the emergency department, both generally and for illness-specific populations like individuals with dementia. 
any intervention shown to be effective or even thought to be effective uh, in meeting this goal really should be explored further and tested. And so this is a great opportunity for change. And uh, also, earlier uh, in the podcast, we uh, mentioned the idea that uh, residential care facilities where, where people with dementia are living and receiving their long-term care should be uh, equipped to care for these people right through to the end of their lives. The, the use of the word should there is key because that doesn't necessarily mean that that reflects the reality of the situation. And um, as we continue to research the links that exist between uh, services that are external to uh, whatever care environments people find themselves in, such as community palliative care, we also need to keep the conversation on how to increase capacity for excellent end-of-life care in all settings where people are living and dying. And in fact, that's consistent with the uh, Canadian Hospice Palliative Care Association's most recent uh, articulation of a palliative approach to care, which is suggesting that most people at the end of life actually shouldn't need access to specialist palliative care, what they need is excellent end-of-life care supported by palliative principles um, that can be delivered wherever they are living and dying. Wonderful. I'd like to thank you both, Dr. Wright and Dr. Van Dyke from the University of Ottawa for your wonderful contribution. Uh, your, this discussion has been very comprehensive, and I'm sure our listeners were going to be, are going to benefit from your detailed description of the issues of palliative care and dementia in the community, use of the ER for these issues, as well as your very thorough description of the methodological approach with this research. I have no doubt that our listeners will benefit greatly from it. And thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Pleasure.